Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. You're in for a treat today. During our second service this morning um, is Senior Honor Day. It's a day that we set aside to honor all of our graduating seniors, those graduating high school, and, and we'll do that during our second service. But in preparation for that, I realized that most of you in the room, you've never heard our, our youth pastor, Pastor Scott Campbell, you've never heard him speak. And so since he's going to be speaking in second service, I just asked him if he would go ahead and speak during this service also. And so I, I am excited for you, but there's something I want to tell you about, about this family, because truth be told, they did not accept our invitation the first time we invited them. It's, it's been over a year and a half ago, nearly two years ago, that uh, my wife, my kids, and other parents of students that had been to youth camp and, and met Scott and Nikki Campbell, met their family, um, that they were, they were after me. You, you need to get this guy to come to DCC. And I tried. I'll be honest with you. I tried, and, and he turned me down. He flat out turned me down. No, it was, it was better than that. And I believe he was obeying God. I do. But um, this family, they are, they are fitting in so well around this church, and we're excited. Our youth ministry is growing again, and we're excited about that. Our, our students are, are just being challenged and fed every week, and we're excited about where this is taking us and, um, and excited about the future possibilities of what, what Scott Campbell brings to the table. And so I want you, the, the best way DCC can, I want you to let the Campbell family know how much you appreciate them as Pastor Scott comes up. Well, now that that's been said, let's pray and we'll dismiss. And uh, no, I do, I do appreciate uh, the kind words and I appreciate the opportunity to get up to speak and not necessarily the opportunity to get up and speak, um, but the honor that it is the opportunity to speak and the trust that is behind our pastors uh, to give me a microphone. Uh, they see me, they see a lot of uh, different things and maybe they see a few things in me that I don't see myself. But anytime you get to stand before a group of people and present and open up the Word of God, it is an honor, and it's not something to be taken lightly. Uh, so I do appreciate that. And today, uh, as I was thinking for the last few weeks about what to speak on, my mind has ping-ponged back and forth with a few things. Uh, I've prayed about it. I've thought about it. And, um, you know, I was thinking I want to... I want to be focused and be able to speak it to the seniors today. And, but you, with an opportunity, when you open the Word of God, you get the opportunity to speak to all people. And so where I felt like God was leading me to was a simple thing that we all do, and that's stand. Simple enough, right? Uh, we all stand at some form or fashion. There is a website out there called brainboost.com. says the average person will spend 10 years of their life standing. That is a long time. Unless you're a Disney annual pass holder, and you could triple that uh, because you're going to spend at least 30 years in line uh, going through Disney theme parks because we know how, how horrible that could be. Uh, but we're willing to stand in line for certain things. I am willing to stand in a long line to be fed. And depending on what exactly is at the end of that line, 
uh, determines how long I will actually stand patiently waiting to get to the front of that line. Uh, if it's beans and rice, I'm not going to stand very long. Probably I will not stand at all. I'll watch everybody else go through the line, and then I'll be like, all right, let's go. Uh, but if it's like Chick-fil-A or, or, or something really good like that, something anointed, I'm willing to, <laughs> to stand a little longer and just be patient and, and wait for that. Um, some of you, you know, you're those deal-seeking individuals, you're willing to wait in long lines very early in the morning and stand for a great Black Friday deal. I am not one of those people, and thank the Lord, my wife is not one of those individuals as well. I appreciate that about you, but maybe it's just because we don't have the money, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, but I appreciate that, and, and one of the other things that will get us to stand is our pride, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to elaborate on that a little bit. I'm going to focus, and I'm going to pinpoint myself out here, um, but I want to kind of lay the foundation a little bit, just a little bit about myself and give you a visual picture here. Um, when I grew up, I grew up in a trailer park. Um, I grew up pretty much in Plant City my whole life. And when, when you think of trailer park, I don't want you to think of retirement home, country club, uh, rolling hills for a golf course, trailer park. I'm, I want you to envision the, oh my, that five-year-old is drinking sweet tea from a bottle. Um, type trailer park, because that's, that's where I grew up. And I don't want you to think that I'm, I'm bashing that the greatest years of my life growing up are from Village Green in that trailer park. And I cut my teeth there. I learned how to love God there. I, I have still the closest relationships I've ever made. But I'm just trying to, to instill a picture that when we grew up, we didn't have very much. So when you don't have much, the neighborhood kids kind of get together and they kind of make things up. So to keep us active and keep our attention, we, we created a few games. Maybe we didn't create them, uh, but maybe we mastered them. And the first one was a game called Splits. Now, I never know if you have ever played a game called Splits, but you pair up and you stand face to face, maybe five, six feet apart. And then you grab a knife and you throw that knife towards their feet. And wherever it lands, that individual has to move their foot. Then they pick up the knife and back and forth until you make the person no longer able to stand because they're splitting and they fall. So that was a good game. Another game we would play <laughs> was um, tag. How many of you played tag before? Tag is a pretty simple game. But we, we upped it up. Uh, we stepped up a notch. We, we played tag with our BB guns. So we would roam the woods with our little one-pump BB guns and but we were safe, no hitting above the shoulders. So below the shoulders, uh, it was legit, it was a fair tag. Um, and the last one where I wanna kinda talk about, it's my, probably my favorite game, because uh, my pride stepped in here. It was called Asphalt Standoff. Asphalt Standoff was this, our trailer park, uh, after a few years I was there, they finally uh, paved the roads that was through there, so we had fresh, brand new, beautiful asphalt. And if you lived in a dirt road, you can appreciate asphalt and a road actually drive down. So we have this fresh paved road in our trailer park. And, and in the middle of June and July and, and, you know, summer months, that asphalt get pretty hot. So we made up a game of who can stand barefoot the longest on that asphalt. And I don't like to brag, but I'm going to. You're looking at the champ. You are looking at the champ. 
I made my mother very proud. Um, but it was only my pride that kept me standing on that asphalt. And today I really want us to look at as Christians how we are to stand. Because how we stand for the right things at the right time in the right ways will make an impact on our lives. Again, how we choose to stand for the right things at the right time in the right ways will change the directions of our lives. And the flip side of that is true as well. If, if we compromise on the wrong things at the wrong times in the wrong ways, it will be detrimental to our relate, not only to our lives, but our relationship and our standing in Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to talk about how as believers we are to stand. If you have your Bibles or you can follow along on the slides, uh, it's a very common uh, book in the Bible. Daniel, we're going to go with first one. It is well known and I'm sure you've heard of it, but this is the thing. A few years ago, I determined in myself that I would never skip over something that I thought, thought was fundamental in the Christian belief and, and being uh, a believer, knowing some of your Bible, because one day I was speaking and I was illustrating something to do with David and Goliath. And I just was going to skim over it, didn't give it too much of attention. And for some reason, I just blurted out the question, how many of you never heard the story David and Goliath before? And one third of that room raised their hands. So I will never neglect the opportunity to present all of the Word of God in context. So I'm going to start, if you know with it, bear with it. Uh, and we're going to point out a few things. But Daniel chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 3 and 5. It says, Then the king ordered Asbadas, chief court officials, to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome men, showing aptitude in every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years. Now, anytime I read this, I think, okay, a few months. No, three years. And then they were to enter the king's service. Now, I kind of want you to kind of get the whole picture of what's taking place here. Um, the, Israel, uh, the Israelites have been bested in battle. They are now in bondage and in captivity by the Babylonians, the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar says, I want you to go in. Not only do I want to defeat them in, in battle, but I want to defeat them throughout. So I'm going to go in, I'm going to pluck out the best future leaders that they have, and I'm going to move them hundreds of miles away, and I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to conform them to our standards. I'm going to change their thought process. I'm going to change their morals. I'm going to go in and I'm going to change everything about them that makes them unique. I'm going to make them my property. And that's what he does. And he goes in and he, he changes everything about it. Now, could you imagine someone coming in, plucking your young teenage child from your home? I could not even begin to imagine that. But that's what happens. So they go on, he takes them, and this is the thing. Not only does he take them from his home, but he tells them to do something that is totally foreign to them. And we're going to look at that in just a few minutes, but I don't know about you, but I kind of got accustomed to my name. 
Not only did they take them from their homes and, and tell them to, to, to live by certain standards, but now they're going to give them a name change. They're going to change their identity. Their identity, their names were based off of the God that they served. So no longer are they based off of serving uh, Yahweh, uh, Jehovah, but now they're going to be based off of these foreign gods. And the official changes their names, verse 6 and 7, it says, Among these uh, there is Daniel, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, Belteshazzar. I would be really highly upset with that one. Uh, Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, uh, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. So we've heard of these names most likely if we've grown up any in, the, in, in church. Um, now, growing up, my name was, was of course, Scott, but uh, everyone referred to me as Scotty. And I don't have a problem being called Scotty. If there's other Scots in this room, maybe you have a problem with being called Scotty, uh, but I do not. If you call me Scotty today, I probably wouldn't even notice it because I'm so accustomed to it. But having a name that is so easily uh, capable of being rhymed to, it wasn't as pleasant. So I would go through school and I would hear Snotty Scotty, or I would hear Scotty Potty, and all these different little creative uh, ways to make fun of my name, and I would, I would normally react in that form in, in probably a non-biblical way, and let's just leave it at that. Um, I reacted in a way probably that wasn't mature, but you were making fun of me, and I had to honor myself, uh, but I don't know about you, maybe your name was harassed a little bit at school and poked fun at. You can relate with that, but these guys had a name change. And again, the purpose of that name change was to change their identity in who they serve now. So these young men are now to be serving the false idols and false gods of the Babylonians. Let's pick it up in verse 8. If I was Daniel or any of these other guys, I'd be upset. So let's see, let's see how Daniel and the boys handled it. It says, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with any royal food, wine, and he asked the chief officials to uh, give them permission not to defile themselves in this way. So they weren't even, Daniel had no problem with the name change. Let's, let's get this. Daniel had no problem with the name change. What is the name? The name is something outwardly. Yeah, you can call me a name, but you know what? I'm not going to let it offend me inwardly. But what I'm not going to allow you to do, I'm not going to allow you to come in and defile myself and my relationship with my God. So Daniel, and I love this, asked for permission not to defile himself. And I could go into a lot of different areas with this, but a lot of times, if you're like me, when someone says you have to do this, my flesh, the Campbell side of me, starts to kind of rile up a little bit, and I'm like, oh yeah, well watch me do the opposite. And I've had to learn, and I've had to train myself to get past it, and I've had to learn to submit, it's a word I don't like using very often, I, I, I had to learn to submit in obedience. I've had to learn to submit in obedience, but this is the thing, when we stand as Christians, we've got to be willing to stand out for certain things. We've got to be willing to stand out for our beliefs and for our God. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, 
These guys made a purpose to stand on what they believed. They believed that it was wrong to partake and eat the, the delicacies, in other, other Bibles translations, from the king's table. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of a picky eater. I'm not as bad as Miss Kendall down here, uh, but I'm a little picky. I like meat, I like potatoes, and I like cheese. And you can throw some bread on that, we're good to go. But anything green and, and beany and ricey for the most part, I'm just like, meh, I can do without. I don't know about you, that's how I am. And I'm sure the table, the king of the table, or the king's table was full of these delicacies, the good stuff. And I don't know about you, but it would have been very easy to compromise on some of these, these morals that God had asked these guys to live by some of the standards that God has given these young men to live by, not to defile themselves by eating foods that were represented to other pagan gods. So these young men asked for permission not to do that. They stood out day in and day out. Get this, they're not the only four Jewish boys. They're not the only four Israelites in this group. There is a group of other believers of Yahweh, believers of the one true God. But we only have four that are willing to stand out and say, no, 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 no. I will just eat vegetables. I will stand out for breakfast. I will stand out for lunch, dinner, snack time. I will stand out during all these things because my relationship with God matters that much. Every day for those 10 days that they ask for permission to show them that after those days, they were going to be better than everybody else. And from that day forward, the Bible tells us that these young men were blessed by God above all the rest of them. With intelligence, with able to interpret certain things, it was awesome, the blessings that God put on them. When we're willing to stand out for God, God will bless us. It's not going to be easy. I'm sure they got made fun of. I'm sure they probably got a little harassed saying, look, man, you're going to mess this up for the rest of us. They'll be doing this but they chose to stand for what they believed in. You know, a lot of times when, as believers, we want to stand out for every time somebody says something about our God. But that is exhausting. We live in a world that is foreign to the beliefs that we have when we open up the Word of God and we say we follow the ways of Christ. And for us, we've got to learn to pick and choose our battles. We've got to take a page out of the book of Jesus himself. Jesus didn't come in and start crashing people on the head and doing all these things. Don't be talking about my daddy and, and, and saying, you're misleading my daddy and all these things. Jesus didn't come in. No, what he did was he set the example. And as believers, we got to do the same thing. We have to make sure that we are willing to stand up on certain things. Now, there are certain areas where we have to stand firm. And that's the next one. We have to stand out and we have to stand firm. There are some things as a believer in Christ, you're going to have to draw the line in the sand and saying, these things I will not agree to. There's a few things that I choose in my Christian life not to partake in, to withstand from. How many USF Bull fans do we have in here? Three. That's awesome. I'm going to let you know, parents, if your child is in the youth group, I am purposely indoctrinating them to become a USF Bulls fan in the heart of Gainesville. It's, it's, 
It's uphill battle. I understand that. But just check the calendar, year 2012, or 2022, 22, 23, and 25. That's the year of the bull. They will be playing UF. So mark it on your calendar right now. Uh, but I love going to the USF football games. But the thing about it was my budget only allowed me to sit up in the third tier. And from the third tier, you got to be able to see the game pretty well. And, and the good thing about sitting in the third row was when the cheerleaders and those little USF dancer girls would come, very lightly clothed, and, and, and start moving and supporting their team, I guess. Um, it didn't bother me so much. Why? Because I was so far away. And, and normally, I would go to these football games with my, my one son. But then a couple years ago, I was blessed with the opportunity for, for a few years to sit 50-yard line. And not just 50-yard line, like middle, like 50-yard line, five rows deep, like right behind the bench. I could see the coach down there. I could hear people talking. The microphone for the, the, the field was like right there. I could have been that one dude that you, you hear on ESPN yelling from the stands. That could have been me, but I chose to be classy and, and not to be that guy. But... Now I am presented with an opportunity to see these young women parade themselves a lot closer. And I predetermined in in that time with a young man sitting beside me that I did not want my boy to look at me and see me doing this. Go team. (laughs) I predetermined when these individuals would come up that I would look away. I would start a conversation. I'll be like, hey. Let's go get some $35 chicken fingers or something like that. <laughs> let's, let's go and let's, let's put our attention somewhere else. Now, for, 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 for some of you, like, you know, Scott, that's a little silly. It's not silly that I set up boundaries with my eyes. Job tells us uh, that he made a covenant with God that he would not look upon a young woman with lust. Men, we need to make a covenant to not only to our wives, but to ourselves and our Heavenly Father saying, look, this area of temptation, I'm going to be determined not to fall for the traps and the snares that the enemy puts out for us. I predetermine when this situation arises that I'm going to find another avenue to go down. When when someone presents themselves for me to gaze upon, I'm going to focus somewhere else. For some of you, it may not be an issue. Some of you, maybe you were like little party freaks back in the day. Whoop, whoop. You know, you went to the clubs, you had good times. Maybe you hung out at the bars, you had a really good time. And you enjoyed that life for a moment. And then you came to the saving knowledge and the grace of Jesus Christ. And now you make it a point of your life to not partake in those activities. You make it a point in your life to stand firm and, 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 and not drink, not to, not to engage in coarse talk and activity and, and these different things. And, and for you, maybe you have to set up a, a perimeter in your life that says, I'm not going to allow myself to be at, at bars or, or go into a restaurant that has alcohol, maybe because you know it's still a struggle for you. But your relationship with God is worth more than your comfort and your pride and not allowing yourself to go to these places. You've got to be willing to stand firm in certain areas of your life. Maybe it's, in, maybe it's for you guys that, are, that aren't married yet. 
And your, your body is urging to do certain things and act out in certain ways. But I can tell you right now, we need to predetermine certain lines in our lives, not to cross. It's not when you're alone, switching gum with a friend in the dark, that you say, Lord, give me the strength. It's before you go on that date or even call that person up saying, you know what, I'm going to determine now not to put myself in those situations. We've got to predetermine. We've got to stand firm on our beliefs. And we, for some of us, we've got to set up those guidelines way in advance, way in advance. If not, we're going to struggle and we're going to fall. As we stand firm once or twice, it, stands, it becomes easier and easier for us to stand. And it's, it's somewhat easy to stand firm on certain beliefs, like maybe it's, you know, not believing uh, with having premarital sex or, or, or maybe even abortion and, and uh, marriage and everything like that. It's easy to stand firm when you, you have a crowd of people with you chanting the same thing. But what if, what if you're all by yourself? As believers, we need to start almost having baby steps in these things with standing out, standing firm for situations, because one day we're going to have to stand alone. We're going to have to stand alone all by ourselves. When everybody else has fallen to the wayside, when everybody else has taken a knee, we've got to be willing to stand alone for what we believe in. If you have your Bibles... Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, 18. Let's pick it up. So if you know the story, King Nebuchadnezzar's kind of gotten like a little ego trip. Uh, he's built this huge statue of gold, represented himself. And he's kind of been bamboozled with the idea of making everybody worship him. When the horns are blown, the trumpets are sound, and the band is playing, that's the universal sign for everyone to kneel and give praise to this God, this, this King Nebuchadnezzar. But because these guys were willing to stand out for the simple things, time and time and time again, it made it easy for them when their life was on the line to stand alone and not worship this false God. So if you don't know the story, if they didn't bow and worship this false idol, this false God, they were going to be thrown in fire dead. That's it. And, and so the punishment was death that they did not bow. So we pick up the story. Daniel, uh, these guys first, uh, Daniel chapter three, or yes, chapter three, verse 16, it says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king. The king has actually given them another opportunity. He said, so you know what, guys, I really do like you. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to correct something that you made a, a mistake on. And you need to fix this mistake. And he says, I'm going to give you another chance. We're going to strike up the band one more time. And as the band plays, you're going to pay homage. And this is the reply. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, King, ne king Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this manner. For if we're thrown into bla the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will dwell, he will, he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't, 
we, will, we want you to know this, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Because these guys made a choice long ago whom they would serve, and they stayed consistent with that, it made it easy to stand for the really hard things. And I don't know about you, but I don't know if there's anything harder to stand for than your life. Than your life. When someone threatens your life, it's easy to, to bow under pressure. Or I would imagine it would be. But these guys made a resolve in their life saying, we were predetermined long ago. This statue just wasn't built. We knew this was coming one day. And we determined a long time ago that we would not bow. But yet we would stand for what we believe in. We would stand for our God. If they had compromised, nothing historic would have ever happened. Understand that. If they compromised in their belief, if they took a knee, we would not be reading about them today. This is what I'll kind of want to get to. A lot of us, we think, you know what? Being submissive, yeah, that's, that's kind of weak. It's just, just living the standards that God has for us. You know, I want to do my own thing sometime. And, and, and you know what? This whole standing uh, alone and standing out, it seems counterproductive. How about I stand? I'll stand for these things, but I'm going to fight for a few other things as well. Ephesians chapter 6 Paul is describing the armor of God that every believer should put on daily. And I love this part in, in verse 13. It says, therefore put, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, stand. He didn't say after you put on the armor of God, you stood your ground, then you go out and you kick somebody's butt. He didn't say that. What he's saying is you stand firm. Why? Because God tells us time and time again in his word that the battle is not ours, but it's his. And what he wants us to do is be obedient and just stand. Be obedient and listen to the directions that he's given us. Understand this, the enemy is up against us. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but you're no match for the enemy. You cannot single-handedly go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the devil and win. Our victory is not in ourselves, but our victory is Jesus Christ in us. That's where we are given our strength. And God is wanting us to stand. God fights on our behalf. And as, all he asks is that we will be obedient to stand. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.